Well, good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to this episode of CDTV with me, your host, Bishop Kai Dewar. It's good to be back with you. Hope you've had a good couple of days since our last episode. Welcome to tonight's broadcast. I am fired up. Something joyous has hit my spirit. I am. Well, glory be. What can I say? It is just a blessed day. It's a blessed week, you know. In a time when people are starting to panic again, especially here in the United Kingdom, as we look like we're going towards another lockdown and various measures that they're introducing to do with COVID-19, I am so relaxed about what's happening because my faith and my strength comes from the Lord, and I am not in the slightest bit worried about what is about to happen. God has got it all in His mighty hands. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, it is a fearful thing to humble thyself unto the mighty hand of God. So, I hope you're well, and I hope that you are living in the fear of the Lord and resting warmly in his hands. Praise God. Brother Steve, good to have you on. Minister D, good to have you on. Brother Declan, good to have you on. I hope you've all had a good couple of days. Wherever you're watching, please leave a comment so I can see where you're watching from. I can't tell who's on just by being on, so I need you to start commenting. Come on, talk to the bishop. Help me, help me. It's going to be good tonight. I uh, I think I said in my little intro or my little uh, promo thing on, um, on social media today that I intend to bear my soul a little bit, and I'm going to do just that. Bishop Serrano, the generational general. Good to have you on, my brother. I hope you're well. I've got to tell you this, Bishop, man. People loved having you on. The feedback we've had has been absolutely phenomenal. Praise God. Minister D, thank you so much. Uh, looking and sounding wonderful. That's what I like to hear, uh, that everything's going well. I've, my temporary fix is working, as you can tell. I managed to get both the cameras going again. And uh, we've got a, a temporary measure in place. We're working on the permanent solution, but God is good, and it's all working. Uh, uh, let's see. Miss Cheryl, good to have you on. Clanford Major, yes. Now, you must be now, if I'm not mistaken, isn't Clanford Major just hit the new lockdown restrictions today? Anyway, I'm praying for you, Brother Declan, whatever's happening, because there's a lot happening down your neck of the woods. Ah, Miss Cassie, good to have you on. I hope you and uh, and Minister Rob are both well. Praise God. Praise God. Woo, I'm fired up tonight. said I'm going to bear my soul a little bit, and I will. I promise you we're going to get to that. But if you have your Bibles, let's get straight into it. I'm anxious. Uh, that's the wrong word. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. I am keen to share the Word of God with you this evening. Uh, I have to be honest. Thank you, my brother. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Miss Cheryl. We're getting there. We are getting there. And we're going to stay here for a while. Only thing. And uh, oh, <laughs> Declan, uh, let me Google it whilst, whilst we're on. Whilst we're on. This is terrible. I'm on my phone. Uh, I think you might be safe. I think you're still in the... Uh, 
I think you're still in the car that counts as one. Yeah, I think you're safer now. So here in Wales, we're having... Um, this is That was really naughty of me. Forgive me. But here in Wales, we're having now uh, county lockdowns. Uh, we currently have two in Wales in lockdown. So people that live there can't leave the county. Uh, or people can't enter the county. Imagine that. So that would be for me. Like, for, for me to get out of Wales, I've got to cross every county in South Wales. So if they impose a lockdown here, I'm, I'm, I'm stuffed because I won't be able to get out. Uh, praise God. Uh, let's see. Yes. Blessings to you in Almira. You're going to have to tell me how to say that name properly so I get it right. Uh, anyway, so l l let me... So slow down, viewer. I have never believed in preparing a sermon. And I've never believed in preparing things just to, to share or preach or teach. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved. So I believe in studying so that uh, the Word of God is in me. I've talked on this on CDTV about it, about, you know, for us that minister, our life is like a bank account. And um, we put the, the investment in so that you make the withdrawal. Or we put the deposits, I should say, and you make the withdrawal. So... I believe that with all of my heart. And for years, I've been putting deposits into my spiritual account for such a time as this when you're able to to um, make the withdrawals as needed. And every, every episode of CDTV that we do, I get before the Lord to ask, what is it you would have me share in this hour, in this season? Monday's uh, CDTV, if you missed it, go back and watch it again or catch it on the podcast if you're listening by the audio. Uh, Mondays went in a completely different direction to how I thought it was going to go, but we ended up addressing an issue that's very, very important, especially in this time where we're looking at the secular world and we are seeing the after effects and the general effects, I should say, of an economy, global economy, crashing. And it's my belief and I say this, it is my belief that it has been deliberately crashed. I don't believe this was accidental at all, um, but let's not get into that. That's my personal belief. I'm not pandering any conspiracy theories, nothing like that. It is my personal belief that the economies have, or somebody deliberately tried to crash global economies. The problem is it's backfired because certain elements of the economy are still growing, still expanding companies are still making money um, and companies you wouldn't expect to make money like for example if you follow the financial markets uh, just a few weeks ago in the middle of a financial crisis uh, Tesla gained eight billion dollars overnight so people are still making money and that got me thinking about what we shared on Monday's CDTV and um, and looking at uh, prosperity from a biblical standpoint um, and where we stand in relation to that as New Testament believers, as New Covenant believers, and why, um, why we are still prospering, why we're still seeing growth, why we're still seeing the joy and the blessings of the Lord. And today as I was uh, getting before the Lord to come to you and share what was in my heart, he reminded me of something I shared several years ago. 
Um, and I don't normally like to go over old teachings that I've done, but the Holy Spirit really drew my attention back to this. And uh, if you have your Bibles, let's go to the 32nd chapter of uh, the book of Exodus. Very, very important passage. And it's not by accident that the 32nd chapter comes directly before the 33rd. Um, but it's very important that we understand there is something at work here in this moment. So to give you the Dewar translation, and we will come to, I will read the scriptures to you, but to give you the Dewar translation of the, the uh, situation as it stands where we pick up the story in, in, um, in Deuteronomy 32, this is what's happening. Moses is atop the Mount Sinai with God in the wilderness. And he's been up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And the children of Israel have now determined that obviously Moses did something wrong and God has killed him because they haven't seen him for over a month. So they approach Aaron, Moses' brother, and ask him to create a calf, a golden calf, a God that they can worship. And this takes place, what we're going to talk about tonight takes place uh, shortly before Moses returns from the mountain with the um, with the tablets that God has written on. But God is looking at the children of, of Israel from atop the mountain. And this is what he said. And, and I'm reading, my Bible's propped up here. Because as I, if you watch Mondays, you see the cover's falling apart. Well used. Um. I'm still trying to find. I, uh, I, funny enough, I was I was talking to to uh, somebody earlier on about um, I want to get it recovered, but uh, I've made the decision I want it covered in ostrich skin. It's ostrich skin. That's a personal thing, though. But uh, nothing. The Holy, Holy Spirit hasn't told me to do it. It's just I love ostrich leather, and I decided I'd like to get my Bible recovered in ostrich leather. I am digressing as I normally do, and uh, we pick up the the book of Exodus. Uh, chapter 32 in verse 7 and it says this and the Lord said unto Moses go get thee down for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them they have made themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said these be thy gods O Israel which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt and the Lord said to Moses I have seen this people and behold it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make of thee, Moses, a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out, to slay them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath, and repent of this evil against thy people. Key verse here, Exodus 32, verse 13. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and said, saidst unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord, verse 14, repented 
of the evil which he thought to do Israel. So, here's where I want to pick up. And I pray you catch this by the Spirit of God. God is looking down at people that he has delivered. And in seeing those who he has delivered, he sees the evil that has entered their hearts. He sees that they have turned away from him, turned to worshiping a God that they created. And in doing so, he becomes angry enough to want to slay Israel. I'm not talking about one or two. God says in the, the passage that we just read that he would slay all of them. And he would make a great nation of Moses, one person. And Moses retaliates with, and this is the Jewish translation, God, you swore a covenant to Abraham, Isaac, and now the King James says Israel, so, but we say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because we still associate Jacob, who was at this point, uh, had his name changed by God after wrestling with the angel, uh, uh, to Israel. Remember the covenant you swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that you would give your people a land and they would inherit it forever. And because of that covenant, repent of what it is you want to do. And the scripture says, and the Lord repented of the evil he sought to do Israel. Now here's where I here's where my mind went when I was sitting here reflecting on this passage of scripture and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he was speaking to me. We have entered a season, uh, a generation, uh, 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 whatever you want to call it, where we have a children of God that we will call the church, not Israel, that have seen the mighty hand of God deliver them from all manner of uh, bondage and, and uh, unfairness and debt and uh, spiritual slavery out into a place where they were set free. And in being set free, this same generation could not wait on God enough to deliver them into a promised land. See, there are people that I know, you may be watching right now, you may be listening on the podcast, but there are people I know that have seen God deliver them out of where they were, but do not trust God enough to deliver them into where they're going. Let me say that again. There are people that have seen God deliver them out of where they were, but because they are in the wilderness, they no longer trust God enough to deliver them into where they were going. Remember, when God brought Israel out of Egypt, the point of it was not them coming out. It was where God was taking them into. And because of the hardness of their hearts and because God calls them a stiff-necked people, it is this act that costs them the entering into the promised land. So God repents of the evil that he decides to, to, to wipe out Israel and, and kill everybody except for Moses. But he tells them, that this generation will not enter the promised land. So for 40 years, they sat in the wilderness at God's mercy after taking what should have been a two-week journey. If you look at a geographical map and you look at the, the place where they would have entered uh, Canaan to get to the city of Jericho, to where the Mount Sinai was, they were hours away from being in the promised land. 
literally, maybe a day's journey, day and a half's journey. See, you might be where you are right now because God brought you out of the mess you were into, but you did not trust God enough to deliver you, to take you into the promise he gave you. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. You may be where you are right now because you trusted God to bring you out of the mess, but you have not trusted God enough to take you into the promise. That, ooh, hallelujah. Think of it. God brought you out of the mess, and in your disobedience, you've not inherited the promise. You've not entered the promised land. Why? Because somewhere in the wilderness, we became, and you know me, I always call we, I always consider myself part of the problem because I'm part of the solution. We became a stiff-necked people. But there's a very key undertaking that we must look at in the very start of this particular passage. And that is, that is this, neither God nor Moses will take ownership of the people. God tells Moses, go down and deal with the people you brought out of Egypt. And Moses tells God, no, 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 you deal with the people you brought out of Egypt. Think of it. Neither God nor Moses wants to take responsibility for the people. So when we get into this mess where we, we, we no longer trust God to deliver us into the promise, what we do is we create a situation where our pastor, our minister, our man of God may not want to take ownership from us, but God himself is trying to, sh to, 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 to do away with the ownership of who you are, even though you are chosen by him. Israel is a people, was a people, always will be a people that God chose as his own people. Yet here in the wilderness, he is disowning them. What is it you've done in your life that has caused God to say, no, 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 that man of God that brought you out of the mess you were in, you take ownership of them because if I get involved, I'm going to kill them. Oh, help me. How many things have we done where God wanted to kill us? How many things have we said where God wanted to kill us? And it is by grace, by the atoning sacrifice of the, the living Jesus Christ, the risen Lamb of God, that we are saved from the, the wrath of God, as the King James says here, that waxed hot against Israel. How many times has Christ himself put God the Father in memory of the covenant he swore, not only with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the covenant he swore with Christ at the crucifixion, the blood covenant that we live in. How many things have we done? How many, how many things have we said? What is it in our life that has caused the Christ to have to remind God, I have a covenant with this people. You will not kill them. In fact, because of the covenant, you will bless them. You will repent of the evil you have sought to do against this people. Put yourself in that position. Put your name in there. How many times has Christ, like Moses, came before God and said, Oh, hallelujah. I will not let you. You delivered, Brother Declan. You delivered, Sister Cassie. 
You delivered Bishop Serrano. I didn't bring them out. You're the one that brought them out. And because you brought them out. Now look what he says in this passage. Why would you, and you'll have to understand, I paraphrased the scripture to make it easy to understand. Moses is saying, why would you bring us out? Why would you bring them out to kill them in the wilderness that our enemies would say, you only brought us out to kill us? That you are not the loving God that you claim to be. That you are not the all-powerful deliverer that you claim to be. You took us out of slavery. You took us out of bondage to bring us into the wilderness to kill us. Now, when we shift into the 33rd chapter, because this is a continuing story, God tells Moses, get up, take the people into the promised land, but I will not go with you. And here in chapter 33, verse 1, God is still refusing to take ownership of Israel because he tells Moses, get thee up, go thee forth with the people that thou didst bring out of Egypt. And Moses tells God, okay, let me just go to the Dio translation because it's easier for me flicking between the two. You could read the King James or whatever re- version you read. Exodus 32, Exodus 33, powerful passages of Scripture. But Moses tells God, what good is it that we go forward, that we go into the promised land, if you don't come with us? See, think of it like this. This is a people that saw the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. This is a people that saw the miracle working power of God, that were being fed by manna in the wilderness. They had seen the hand of God move. Does this sound a lot like the 21st century church? We're a people that have seen God's miracles. We're a people that have seen God's power. We're a people that have seen God bring us out of all manner of different things, individually, corporately as your local church, universally as the church, the body of Christ. God has been there, delivered us, brought us out of all manner of things, and yet in the middle of a situation, When it seems like God goes quiet, we do what Peter did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Bishop Nicholson, so good to have you on. I've had you on my mind all day. I've been meaning to reach out to you, so please forgive me for not doing so. I will call you in the next couple of days, sir. Peter is in the Garden of Gethsemane. The soldiers, the temple guards, and the Roman soldiers come to take away Jesus with Judas come to arrest him and in the moment Peter slips out of being one that walked with the Christ into the flesh pulls out his sword and cuts off the temple guard's ear the children of Israel walking with God walking with his messenger out of Egypt delivered by the mighty hand into the wilderness and in a moment of weakness immediately revert to their carnality 
immediately revert to their flesh. How many times have you done it? How many times have I done it? So I told you I'm going to bear my soul. Confession time then. There was a point in my life several years ago when even though I was doing ministry, even though I was traveling around the world, things weren't going the way that I thought they, I thought they should be going. God wasn't doing the things I felt like he should be doing. And because of that, I took shortcuts. Not proud of it. But just like those shortcuts, I became like those children in Israel because I knew I'd angered God by doing what I did. Now, I was swift to repent and swift to... uh, to work to make amends but you can be so busy doing this thing that you call the work of the Lord that just like the children of Israel in the wilderness you lose sight of the Lord of the work and you make decisions that are based in your own flesh in your own strength, in your own carnal desires. And there is a heavy price to pay for those. Because though it seems like God is silent, we must never forget the Bible says that he neither sleeps nor slumbers, which means God is always watching. When I took those shortcuts, God was watching. And I have every confidence, just like I said a few moments ago, That was a moment in my life when God decided, I'm done with Dewar. I'm going to kill him. But the living Jesus, hallelujah, the living Christ stepped in and said, no, 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 no. There is a covenant that you swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is a blood covenant that we swore at the cross of Calvary and I will not let you kill him and because of the covenant that you made because he is a child of the covenant not only will you not kill him but you are going to bless him see somebody watching tonight needs to understand this you may have made mistakes you may have made bad decisions you may have acted in your own carnality in your own flesh you may have done things your way But there is one, like Moses, atop that mountain that is fighting for you, that is saying, I will not let you kill this one. I will not let you turn your wrath against him, against her. Because you cut a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You cut a covenant with me. And because of that covenant, you will bless them. You will honor the word of your mouth. See, the Bible teaches us in, in Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. So God won't even break his own word.
Angeles. Nigel, good to have you on, my brother. Miss Cassie, this is a beautiful comment. I've got my mouth open. Blast. We ask God for a desire of our heart, which he promised. And because we can't see his promise come to pass in the time we want, we go to make a calf doing things the world's way. I, I don't know whether I've said it on CDTV. There's a, a particular passage of scripture that says God will give you the desires of your heart. And when you understand what that truly means, it doesn't mean that God will give you the things that you desire. It means God will give, will put, literally put the desire in your heart for the things he wants you to have. And we can't have the, the godly desire for our life when our heart is full of our own desires. Because when our heart is full of our own desires, when our heart is full of our own wants and selfishness, that's a heart that's closed to the living Christ. That's a heart that's closed to God. See, God won't compete with your carnality. That's why we have to subdue the flesh every day. That's why the children of Israel got away with what they were doing because God wouldn't compete with them. Our submission to God on a daily basis is a decision we make just like the hosts of heaven choose to worship him every day. I bet nobody's told you that before. Do a, long, do a lengthy study on angels. You'll discover from the scripture the angels choose to worship God. That's why when Lucifer gets his, 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 uh, his horns all bent out of shape, can't think of what to say, God gives the hosts of heaven, the angels, the choice to stay. And one third of the angels choose to follow Lucifer. How dumb thou art. That was a real silly decision to make. The children of Israel had a decision not to make that calf. Aaron, his brother, had a decision not to fashion that calf. Yet, because he was so busy trying to please the people instead of trying to please God, he costs them, they cost themselves a promise that God had given. What is it God promised you that you have cost yourself? What is it you are now living without that God had purpose for your life? that you don't have because you couldn't wait. You couldn't trust God enough. You believe God to get out of the mess, but you did not trust God enough to get you into the promise. I can tell you with all surety, at almost 44 years of age, I am not where I believe God intended for me to be at this point in my life because I did not trust God to get me into the promise the way that God only could. Bishop Wondracek, good to have you on, my brother. There are things missing in my life. There are seasons I've missed because I trusted God to bring me out, but I get, did not trust God to take me in. Some of you right now are struggling because you trusted God to bring you out, but you do not have enough trust in God that he will take you in. And I'll tell you this, it has been a painful journey for me. It has been heart-wrenching, soul-destroying, ripped my guts out, stomped all over them, danced on my grave almost, 
to get me to a place where I threw myself before the Lord and said, God, take me in. You brought me out, and only you can take me in. But think of it this way. Moses reminds God, you swore a covenant with this people. Jesus is reminding God, you swore a covenant with this people, with this child. And because you swore a covenant, you will not turn your vengeance against them. You will not turn your wrath against them. And that's why I said on, on Monday, CDTV, so, so many of us are living in his mercy and we think it's grace. So many of us are living in mercy and we think it's favor. It's mercy, folks. Pure and simple mercy. The fact that you're alive today is a token of God's mercy. If you are living well and prospering like we talked about on the last episode of CDTV, then you are living in favor. But I'll guarantee 95% of us, like those children of Israel, were living in mercy because it was God's mercy that spared his wrath against them. It was not his favor. So we carry on in the story, and what we find is eventually God is so persuaded by Moses. God is so persuaded by Moses that not only does he repent of the wrath he sought to do, to do against Israel, but in the end he tells Moses, okay, my presence will go with thee. When you get up and you move, my presence will go with you. In other words, I remember the covenant that I swore. And I will not, oh, I will not just stay my wrath against you, but I will not let you walk alone. I will be with you. Right now, whatever it is in your life, you may need to get before God to say, God, I trusted you to bring me out but I did not trust you enough to take me in. But I need a man of God familiar enough with you and your presence that that man, that woman of God can convince you to turn your wrath from me. Not just the Christ, not just the covenant that you swore with my living Savior, but I need a man of God because my well-being, my prosperity, my, my good journey that I make is directly linked to the man of God over me. But I need a man of God so familiar with your presence, so familiar with your voice, that they will convince you to change your mind. Do you know how familiar God was with Moses and Moses was with God? That Moses could speak so freely to the living God and tell him, you need to change your mind. And because of what Moses says, God repents. That's a powerful statement. God doesn't just say, I'm going to, uh, okay, I won't kill them. That's just changing your mind. God says, to, uh, the Bible says, and God repented of the evil he sought to do Israel. God didn't just stop his hand from killing them. He repented of the desire to kill them. Pastor Fabio, good to have you all. 
God repented of the evil. Who is the man of God in your life? Who's the prophet of God in your life? That is so familiar and intimate with God and his presence that in God's moment when he desires to kill you, there is somebody speaking on your behalf to convince God not only to change his mind, but to repent of the evil he sought to do you. Think about it. Are you that familiar with God? I don't think so. Do you have a man of God that familiar or woman of God? Let's not be sexist, Julie. Do you have a representative that is so familiar with the presence of God that God is so familiar with them and their voice that they can speak so freely to God and convince God to change his mind, convince God that he should repent of the, of the evil he sought to do. And then later, later, just one passage on convinces God you need to walk with them. Why should, what good is it if we go up and you do not come with us? What good is it if God gives you a promise but tells you, I won't kill you, go into the promise but I'm not coming with you well I don't know about you folks but I would have rather God killed me in the wilderness than to enter a promised land and not have his presence see way back in the book of Genesis we learn when Adam bites the fruit that God says you will leave my presence how do you leave the presence of an omnipresent God but what he's saying is, you will leave the place where the weight of my presence dwells. We call it the Shekinah glory. It's the, the very weight, the substance of the presence of God. This is what Moses was talking about. God was with Israel, the weight of his presence, the, 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 the majesty, the, 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 the depth, the magnitude, the the volume of God's presence was with them. God himself through the, spoke to Moses through the bush, but God himself in the weight of his presence meets with Moses atop the mountain. Meets with Moses later in the tabernacle. That's why Moses' face shone with the glory of God. This is a man so intimate with God's presence that he convinces God to change his mind. I said all that to say this. I desire to be the kind of man of God to the people that God has given me charge of. That no matter what is going wrong in your life, I can convince God to change his mind concerning you. That I can convince God to repent of any evil he sought to, to, to do you. I want to be a man of God so intimate with God's presence and God so intimate with me that I can speak freely before my God. That I can commune daily with Him. That in intimacy and time invested in His presence that my life begins to shine with the glory of God. Not this thing that we call 
the glory of God in our church services. I'm talking about the weight of his presence. That uh, Now, I believe because of the way Moses appeared, because of what happened to him, this transfiguration that took place from being in the presence of God, I believe that when Moses entered anywhere, when Moses walked past people, just like Peter did with the shadow, I believe the weight of God's presence was carried by Moses. See, if you're watching me or you're listening to me and you're a preacher, the passionate pursuit of your heart should always be the weight of the intimacy of God's presence and carrying that. Because it's only that investment, it's only that time invested in His presence, it's only that relationship of familiarity with His presence and His person that gives us the power to change God's mind like Moses. What is it you're pursuing? Ask yourself tonight. What is it God has not killed you with? Why is it you can trust God to bring you out, but you can't trust God to take you in? Why can we trust God to bring us out? How can we see the miraculous power of God at work in our lives? How can we see the mighty hand of God working for us, moving for us? How can we see the deliverance that we've seen and not trust him to take you in? Not trust him to deliver you into the promised land. Not trust you to, to get you to where he promised he was taking you. That's the bit that dumbfounds me in this whole story. They didn't believe God could get them to where he promised he was taking them. It may be a car. It may be a house. It may be whatever it is. You couldn't wait for God to get you to the promise. So you created the promise by yourself. And now you're stuck in a mess. Because now you are like the children of Israel. You're stuck with your golden calf. But there is not a man of God or a woman of God coming from God's presence to destroy that over you. And God has left you with it. But he hasn't killed you. He may have even repented of the evil he sought to do against you. But now you're stuck with it. Now you're stuck. Imagine if God had let Israel carry on worshipping that golden calf. Imagine the mess they would be in. See, the problem is when we don't trust him enough to take us in, the God that we end up worshipping is the God we choose, not the God that saved us, not the God that delivered us, not the God that brought us out. some point in your life whether it be now in the past or in the future at one point or another in your life you will look in the mirror and you will see the God you worship 
not the God that brought you out. It is not the God that brought you out. Because the God that brought you out is the God that will take you in. I don't ever want God to look at me and go, that's a stiff stiff-necked people. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Don't ever let me get there. I want to be like Moses was, so intimate with God. When God asks him, what do you want? Moses says, I beseech thee, show me, O Lord. Show me, O Lord. See, Moses trusted God to bring them out. Moses trusted God to bring them in. Moses didn't trust God to give them water in the desert. Moses didn't trust God to follow the instruction of how to govern the people. Something you're doing is costing you your promised land. An instruction you're disobeying is costing you your promised land. The voice of God that you're refusing to hear is costing you your promised land. The God that you have created called you or something else is costing you your promised land. God lets them come out of Egypt and blesses them with the gold and silver of Egypt. And these numpties turn it into a God so they took the things that God had given them to, to leave, to prepare them to go into the promise, and they fashioned their own God out of it. Where is it you've done that in your life? Ask yourself, where is it you've done that in your life? Where have you taken the stuff that God has blessed you with and made your own God of it? Where have you taken what God has blessed you with and turned it into a God? Made your own God of it. When have you let the thing that God gave you to be a blessing become the thing that you worship instead of Him? See, most people, if I look back, at, at some of the stuff we taught on the last episode, last show. Most people give in expectation of a harvest and never get their harvest, and the reason they don't get it is because your faith's in the harvest, not the God who provides. So God doesn't give you the harvest that you're believing for because God knows if I give you that, you're out of faith. A little truth bomb right there for you. Many of us, myself included, have not received the harvest that we believed for. Have not received the promise that we felt God had given us because we put our faith in the promise, in the harvest, not in the God who provides. They put, in his, the children of Israel, put their faith in the treasure God had given them to come out and go in, not in the God who provided for them to come out and go into. 
So what is it that God's given you? That you have put your faith in that. You have made an idol of that. What is it in your life that has become the golden calf? That you're worshipping. Who is it? Never mind what. Who is it? It may be a person. Who is it that's become the golden calf in your life? Who is it that has become the voice that you turn to before the Holy Spirit? Who is it? Whose voice do you trust more than God? Whose voice do you listen to before you listen to the voice of God? Who? What is it? Or who is it? But I'll tell you this now. You're not entering your promise. You're not walking into the promised land. Because somewhere between coming out and going in, you've made a God of something else. And God will not let you go in. Just like Saul, when he turned to Nathan the prophet, uh, Samuel the prophet, and said, walk with me, that the people will think the Lord is still with me. Right now, you're still trying to make people believe God is with you. And you're like the children of Israel up there in the wilderness, dancing around the bottom of the mountain. You're now in that position where God has said, if I come down there, I'm going to kill you. Telling your man of God, telling your woman of God, whoever it is, whatever it is, you better deal with them. Because if I deal with them, I'm going to kill them. And your man of God, your woman of God, he said, no, 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 no. You brought them out of this mess. You need to take them into the promise. I didn't bring them out. You did. Nobody taking ownership for you. Nobody saying, okay, we'll fix this. And all the time you're worshiping a God of your own creation. So who is it? What is it? And then, now that you know, now the Holy Spirit is showing you that in your life. Now your eyes are being opened. The biggest question that anybody's going to ask, what are you going to do about it? Huh? What are you going to do about it? Or are you going to die in the wilderness? Are you going to be a stiff-necked people? Are you going to be there and not enter the promised land God's given you? Not fulfill the promise God put over your life because you're too stiff-necked to repent. Never mind God repenting of the evil he sought to do against you. Are you going to repent of the evil you've done against God? What is it? Who is it? What are you going to do about it? Or are you going to end your days? Are you going to deal with yourself? Get to a place where you can say to God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. I don't know about you, but when I feel the weight of God's presence, when I, when I get the sense that I currently feel in my 
my spirit. I get fidgety because I'm nervous. I'm nervous about the, the, the weight of God's presence. I'm familiar with the presence of the Holy Spirit, but I'm nervous about the weight of God's presence because it tells me one thing. God really means business. There's a massive difference between, as, as Adam and Eve found out, being in his presence, the omnipresence, the God that is everywhere, to being in the weight of his presence. What are you going to do about it? What are What a glorious presence. see the one true living God. God, we're sorry. We repent. I repent. Publicly and privately, I repent for the times when you brought me out and I didn't trust you to bring me in. You would never bring us to the world simply to kill us. Jesus. Man, I feel something tonight. to the place like Moses we can send show us your glory show us your glory Lord you're an awesome God you reign Heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. 
so easily rolls off our tongue because we have forgotten a sense of the awesomeness of the presence of God. That's why we call Jesus Christ JC in church. That's why we've become so familiar with him that we speak of him. Forgive me fidgeting in my seats. I'm really uncomfortable tonight. We become so familiar with the person of Jesus that we have brought him down to our level. We've reduced the living Christ, the Savior of all mankind, the one who lived and died on a cross to pay for my sins. We've reduced him to a man. He was, is, always will be, Theoanthropos, the God-man, the living Christ. He was fully God and fully human, fully divine and fully natural. He is not just a man. The God that I serve is an awesome God. And it's about time that we stopped behaving like these petulant children of Israel in the wilderness. And once again, we got a sense of the awesomeness of God in our lives, in our churches. We stopped playing games with the living Jesus. We stop playing what I call churchianity. Help me, Holy Ghost, tonight. And if you get offended by the things that I say, don't worry about it, because I forgive you. But it's about time we took a long, hard look in the mirror and started dealing with the God of our own creation. See, we've slipped into, go through history. There was a, a period of life, a, a period of history that was prevalent with the teachings of Epicurus. And we've become, in the 21st century church, we've become like the Epicureans, where everything that we do is okay, as long as it relates to our own carnal desire and the fulfillment of our own carnal pleasure. But God says, if you lay down your life and follow me. Why did those children of Israel build that golden calf? Because they were still way too caught up in their own carnal desires. They were still way too caught up in their own selfishness. They believed they were something more than they actually were. 
I'm not talking about denying who we are in Christ. I'm not talking about not knowing who you are in Christ and what it means to be in Christ. I'm on about thinking you are something more than that. Jesus, help me. If you believed, if you believed that your man of God was your deliverer, if you believe that the man or woman of God that stands over you and speaks the word of God into your life was God's true representative, no matter what happens, where the meeting was, whether it's in person, on Zoom, on Facebook, Periscope, YouTube, wherever it was, you would never turn up late and try to leave early. You would hang on every word that you believe God was speaking through them. And we're at this place because just like those petulant children of Israel, we have stopped seeing the awesomeness of God. And we might have trusted him to bring us out, but we sure as heck no longer trust him to take us in. That's why pastors, leaders, men and women of God are falling like flies across the planet. Because they think it's about I'm sitting here tonight talking to this camera and wherever you are watching, however you're watching or, or listening, that's only because of God. And I never, ever mistake that because there was a point in my life when I thought you tuned in to watch Dewar. There was a point when I thought people came to church to listen to Dewar, when I thought I was the main show, that I, I told you I'll bear my soul and I will. I thought I was the main attraction. It wasn't about God. It was what about I could do, how I, well I could perform. And let me tell you this. It was nothing more than a performance. Am I, too pr uh, am I proud to admit that? Heck no. But I've got the guts to admit it. I was going through the motions. It was nothing more than a performance. Until one day, <laughs> lying in the hospital bed, thinking, am I going to make it through the night? you recover a sense of the awesomeness of God. I don't care what it is that God has to do, but just like Job, God needs to reduce you to a cry. Because maybe in that moment of crying out, you might actually cry out to him. Help me. Brother Cormac, everything's good. Thank you for asking. Maybe God needs to reduce you to a cry. See, my only concern with that is some of us will make the sackcloth and ashes a God in itself. You need to get before him. I can't do it for you. I can convince him to stay his wrath. I'll intercede on your behalf. I'll plead with God on your behalf. I'll be like Moses for you. But you need to get back before him. In fact, there's somebody watching tonight. I don't know who you are. You made a commitment to God. You've broken it. You committed to spending time with God. 
and you're still not doing it. You may have started and stopped. You may not have started. I don't know why I feel so nervous in my spirit at the moment. But I'll tell you this. Whoever it is, you don't get before God. You're going to miss it. You'll die in the wilderness. You won't make it to the promised land. Oh, evangelist nights lie like that. Humility initiates possibility. Whoever it is, you better get before God. Because if you don't, you're going to die in the wilderness. You ain't going to make it to the promised land. Family, I feel, I, I, I can't put into words what I feel. There's something sig- truly significant happening in the, in the realms of the Spirit concerning your lives right now. Maybe God is, is uh, I don't know what. I can't, I can't even speculate. I can feel something shifting. My spirit is on fire and I'm nervous. When I get nervous, something serious is happening. I know the presence of God too well. Something serious is happening. Somebody, somebody in, in, in watching me or listening to me, something serious, major is shifting concerning your life. I don't know who you are or what it is. God is literally turning a very, very bad situation around. In fact, I, I'm going to say it this way. God is actually bringing you out of your bondage, bringing you out of your spiritual Egypt right now. The way is being made. The things are being put in place. God has initiated a deliverer, a deliverance to take place in your life. I don't know who that's for, but somebody is going to see it. Next couple of days, next couple of weeks, however long it takes. But you need to trust God, not just to get you out, but to take you in. Don't die in the wilderness. Don't get caught up. They were never supposed to be in the wilderness more than two weeks. Don't live the rest of your life and die in a place that God never intended for you to be. You need to trust God enough to bring you out, but you need to trust God more to take you in. Because everything, and I've learned this from my own experience, everything in the wilderness will try and convince you God can't get you there. Everything in the wilderness will try to convince you God can't get you there. And the only reason it's successful is because you take your eyes off God in the wilderness. Because it's in that wilderness we find the God of our own creation. Don't believe me? Read those passages in Exodus. They didn't come up with the idea of the golden calf in Egypt. Even when they were being beaten as slaves, even when they were going through all manner of nonsense, even when they were going through all of that, they still worship God. Yet they come out. And in that deliverance, they find they come out. Imagine that. We can worship him enough to bring us out. 
But once we're out, oh, heaven help us. Once we're out, place all that gold. Didn't trust God. Genuinely thought, oh, God's taking Moses up the mountain to kill him. you know what? If they had trusted God enough, even if for some reason God took Moses up the mountain and killed him, he would have still raised a deliverer. Think on that. If God had taken Moses up that mountain and killed him, he would have still raised a deliverer. He would have still brought forth one to take them in. And in the end, he does. Moses brings them out. Joshua takes them in. But I'll tell you this now. Joshua was never God's plan. God's first plan was for Moses to take them out and Moses to lead them in. But it's what they did in the wilderness that cost them the promised land. What is it? What is it you're doing in the wilderness that's costing you the promised land? And like I asked you just a few minutes ago, I ask you again, what are you going to do about it? What are you Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your leading. Lord, every time I come before this, your people, I stand amazed. I stand amazed. shouldn't say I'm going to get into trouble. Let's just pray. Holy Spirit's just put something on my mind. And uh, I'm going to see if I can find it. truly favorite songs from many, many years ago. And I want to play it. you can hear it. I stand, I stand amazed, amazed 
as I look on your face. My eyes kiss can see what, what my heart believes. I see. See your glory there, Lord. I stand amazed. I stand amazed as I look on your face. I was there when this album was recorded. I was in the service. I love this song. Now this song is 28 years old. 1992 it was recorded with uh, a gentleman singing as a friend of mine. I stand amazed at God, I really do. I really do. And I pray that you will regain the sense of the awesomeness of God so that when you commune with him every day, just like the song says, you stand amazed. You stand amazed. 
Well, I pray that tonight has been uh, a blessing to you. I pray that God has spoken to you. I'm kind of overwhelmed in my spirit at the moment and struggling to find the words to say as we close out. stand in this I stand in this well the Lord bless you the Lord keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you Declan, the song is called I Stand Amazed. Um, it's available on Apple Music. If you search for Wingos, W-Y-N-N-E-G-O-S, Wingos. It's on an album called Gates of Praise. Sister Luana, blessings to you. to let you go I don't feel like letting you go I just want to linger in his presence so full of our own self, full of our own stuff. As Cheryl, I will. And uh, we never take the time to listen to God. We never take the time to just linger in his presence. When was the last time you got around God and went and said, what can I do for you this hour? Nothing. I just want to do it. Like the old Don Moore said, I just want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar, draw me near to where you are. I love the chorus of that song. I want to be where you are. Dwelling in your presence. Blessings, Evangelist Nigel. You asked for it. I stand amazed as I look. What my heart believes. 
Jesus, we stand amazed at you. We stand amazed at you. As we worship now, as we played that song, and as we worship, the Holy Spirit just healed somebody. Hallelujah. I felt a, a, a burning down the right side of my body. Somebody had a problem, uh, a blockage causing a problem in the right side of their body. And God's just touched it now. The, the pain that was associated with it has just lifted in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 
میتوره به کتی هم دلا مکرت هسته به نبشت منسه بدو بیلوات هایم رباتو سمدو Somebody's believing God for a financial breakthrough, very serious matter. Like need God to move imminently. And God just told me to tell you the doors are open. Don't worry about it. The doors are open. The money's coming. The money's coming. The money's coming. God's already working on somebody to be a blessing to. For the next 72 hours, God's going to give you what you need. God didn't bring you out to leave you in the wilderness. God's going to take you into the promise. Hallelujah. 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 This is a serious financial situation. This is not just I need a blessing. This is like, you know, major things will happen if if God doesn't come through. But there's a real very there's a very, very short time frame on it. God's moving right now as we speak. Just as we worship, God told me the doors are wide open. The Bible says, Bring you the whole tithe into the storehouse that there might be meat in mine house. And see, I will not open the floodgates, open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. So God told me, forget the windows, the doors are wide open. I said, God, in my spirit, why, why the doors, why the doors? He says, son, more comes out of a door than comes out of a window. So, so somebody needs to hear that right now. I keep looking at the TV screen. I'm lost. My life, the camera, TV, everything. I just can't get my mind right. Somebody needs to know there's more coming out of the doors of heaven for you than's coming out the windows. God's just opened the doors of heaven here over your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. I felt him all night long, but I really feel the Holy Ghost tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Something's happening in the spirit. I can see it. I can feel it. I can sense it. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, family, I tell you what I'm going to do. Oh, Holy Ghost, help me, help me, help me, help me. I'm going to do a three-day digital conference. I'm talking now by the Spirit of God because I have got no plans to do this. I'm going to do it at the end of October. Oh, help me, help me, help me. Hallelujah. We're going to do three nights. I'm going to have two of my friends come and minister. Um, on on uh, well, either minister with me or, or minister to it. I just I feel this from my. I'm gonna have to walk back and watch this video myself to find out what I'm saying. But we're gonna do a three night digital conference, just three nights. Uh, we'll, we'll you know uh, we'll, we'll do it at 8 p.m. in the UK, so that you know we can make plans so everybody can watch. But uh, I, I, well, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. I really don't. I just know we're gonna do it. I'll work out the times and the dates and everything, but. I'm just giving you advance warning. We're going to do a three-day digi digital conference. Uh, um, oh, Jesus, help me. And we're going to focus on on pursuing the presence of God and, and okay, I need to write this down. <laughs> Always keep a notebook handy. Always keep a journal. Holy Spirit just told me what to do. Hallelujah. So we're going to do a three-day digital conference. Okay? Three-day digital conference. End of October. i got to work out the dates. I might even do it midweek instead of doing it over the weekend like we do. And it's going to be called Prophecy from... 
the presence. I need to look at that because I've got something scheduled at the end of October. Prophecy from the presence. We're going to focus on hearing the voice of God prophetically and spending time in his presence. I don't know how we're going to work this one with the music and all that lot because, you know, Facebook and YouTube, they're all changing their rules and regulations about music, but we're going to do it somehow. We're going to do it. Three days, end of October, prophecy from the presence. And I'll work out how we're going to do it because I know I'm supposed to be somewhere at the end of October. Maybe God's not going to open that door. Maybe that door's closed. I don't know. But we'll do it. Three days. So stay posted. Stay posted. Keep watching. I'll, I'll, I, I, I know exactly who to reach out to. I know exactly who. No, I'm going to do it on a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We're going to do it midweek. Whatever it is, the last week of October... Last full week of October, we're going to do it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It might just be me, for all I know. We don't know. I, I, we're going to do it. Three-day digital conference, prophecy from the presence. Prophecy from the presence. Ooh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So, uh, Miss Cheryl, uh, now... I am going to be starting to do stuff on Zoom, and uh, I'll make that available to to um, to uh, people. But I feel like we need to do this. I feel like we need to do this on social media. I might not even need music for worship. We, we I don't know. I, I'll see how things go with tonight's song, and, and we'll we'll make a plan. I know there is some copyright. My 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 De Declan pray. If that's how you feel, my brother, pray. Um, I know there's, uh, there's copyright-free worship. 27th, 20th. You got the date, Lynn? Wonderful. Hang on. Let me check my diary. Keep everything close. See? Just in case I need it. Because <laughs> the Holy Spirit kind of gets hold of me. What are we doing? Uh, 23rd, 27th. Okay, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. There's the dates. 27th, 28th, 29th. Thanks, Lynn. Let me break that down before I forget. 27th, 28th, 29th of October. 27th, 27th to 29th October. Devil is a liar. I told you we put a temporary fix in. I don't know how well it's going to last, but I'm praising God because we've had somebody make a generous offer to help us uh, assign the permanent fix. I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping that we might be able to make that happen uh, next week or the week after. I know we'll make it happen before the end of September. Praise God. So that's another £750 blessing that God has provided. Hallelujah. All glory to God. I, you know, God's amazing how he's doing this media project. My brother, pray in the spirit. If that's what you feel, just go for it. I, 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 you should see me in the supermarket. The Holy Spirit stirs me to pray in tongues, and I'll just pray in tongues wherever I am. I don't, it doesn't bother me. Uh, uh, yeah, I got it fixed now, Lynn. We, we flick to the side camera when this one in front of me starts messing up. But uh, it, I know what the problem, I, see, I know what the problem is now. Whereas I couldn't before, I know what the problem is with the cameras now. So we've got a temporary fix in place. We're well on our way to get the permanent fix sorted. God's, uh, or the only thing I need after that is I need to buy furniture here. 
I haven't got enough space for everything. I need more furniture and I need to paint the walls. Because I could be telling myself for weeks, I need to paint the walls. But uh, I need some new furniture here because I've, I've run out of space and my desk isn't big enough and everything I need. So we're trusting God to provide for the furniture. I've, I've got the list. I know exactly what I need. And uh, the, the equipment fix that we need, God's already made provision. Somebody came forward yesterday and said, Bishop, I want to be a part of that. So hallelujah, we thank you, God. So there we go. That's tonight's closeout, 27th, 28th, 29th of October, three-day digital conference, three nights, 8 p.m. every night, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I guess that means there'll be no Wednesday night uh, CDTV because we'll do the conference instead. Uh, there is some man of God I'm going to reach out to to speak for, speak with me, for me, however it's going to work. It's going to be powerful. I know it's going to be powerful. Three days. Prophecy from the presence. That's what we'll call it. We're going to seek the presence of God and listen to his voice. And lives will be changed. I know it. I know it. Family, I love you. I'm so blessed that you've stayed with me. Wow, look at the time. That went on way longer than I thought. But I give God thanks that, uh, you know, I'm not on my time scale. I'm on his. Hallelujah. Declan, Brother Declan, I'm glad you didn't miss it too. I'm glad you're on. I'm so thankful to every one of you that comes every week. YouTube, Periscope, Facebook, wherever you're watching, on the podcast listener. The fact that you come back every week and, and join us, that is huge to me. It really is huge. Hallelujah. Uh, yes, Lord, somebody just felt like they want to sow a seed. You can go to that address, paypal.me forward slash cdtvme, or you can send it via cash app. You can go to my website, cdtv.me, and there's a PayPal button right there. And somebody just, yes, God, I believe it. Somebody feels like they just want to sow a seed into the ministry. Thank you, God. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Oh, Minister D, I'm looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it. It's going to be powerful. It is going to be powerful. You know, I tell you what, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to be praying about this and putting this together. I'll make this happen. You pray for me. You pray for me that I've got the new furniture that I need, and um, and uh, and uh, I'll paint the the walls as quickly as I can. But pray for me that we get the furniture that we need to accommodate all the stuff that we've got going on here, because uh, that'll do for us until we can get into a more a temporary studio office setup. We're not in a rush to do that with a pandemic going on at the moment, and and you know what we've got is working for now. But I realize we do need to get into a, a bigger studio. Um, I've been approached again this week to do live television for another TV network. And it's one of those where, you know, I really need to be in a studio with one or two different sets so that we can, that we can uh, fulfill the requirements that are now being placed on us. But uh, pray for me. We, um, we need this for new furniture and we need it swiftly. So uh, praise God. If you want to sow a seed into it, that's fine. I'll leave that between you and God. I'm not chasing that. I'm just asking you, please pray. That's all I'm asking. Please pray. That would be huge for me. The more of us are praying, the swifter I believe it will happen. So so uh, when you guys sow, it amazes me. Just like standing looking at the presence of God, it amazes me. I pray that you will find that place in God where you stand amazed. Where you stand amazed. So... I love you. Have a blessed week. 
I will see you all Monday night, CDTV, 8 p.m. in the UK. Until then, have a blessed weekend. Stay safe, stay blessed, stay in his presence. Linger there. Find that place and stay there as long as you can every day. Trust me, it'll be worth it. It will be worth it. Tonight was phenomenal. Peace be with you, Sister Cassie. I appreciate you and, and Minister Rob. You two do a phenomenal job. You really do. I love the live streams. Powerful. Brother Declan, I'm glad God brought you here. I really am. Miss Cheryl, the blessings of the Lord make you rich this week and add no sorrow to your life. I pray it. Same goes for Minister D. Stefan, keep trusting God. Keep looking for his face and his hand will move for you. Until next week, I'll see you all soon. Bye for now. Oh, <laughs>